the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, joining us today on the program is the lead pastor of Hope Chapel of Santa Rosa. Pleased to have join us microphone side, Pastor Colby Engstrom. Pastor Engstrom, welcome. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be with you today. And I guess I say, in a sense, sort of kind of welcome back to uh, California. Um, yeah. Although I want to be clear for listeners, you're not brand new to the state nor brand new no. to Santa Rosa. You've been up nope. in Santa Rosa pastoring there at Hope Chapel for a couple of years now. But yes, this sir. kind of brought you full circle from your roots a bit further south of us in one of my most favorite parts of the state, down towards San Luis Obispo. When you get into that neck of the woods yeah. and down towards Santa Barbara, wow. It's really yeah, a phenomenal part of the state. And that, of course, was your sure. original home. And as I mentioned, yep. though, you've you've come back. So that has to suggest uh-huh. to our listeners that there were some stops along the way. Walk us yep. through a bit of your trajectory and, and sure. maybe even the calling that the Lord put on your life yeah. when you were still back in San Luis Obispo. When I was in college, I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer, which made my which made my uh, very secular father very very proud of me, because it would have meant something lucrative and exciting for me and for our family. And uh, I felt the call of God on my life at a Promise Keepers conference uh, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, and radically went all in with Jesus. Felt a call to full time ministry and uh, changed my major from pre law to communication. Finished my communication degree, got into ministry, um, started helping out at a high level and was a youth pastor for many years. And I was a youth pastor in uh, Utah, New Mexico, um, Texas, and, um, and of course in, in California at a couple of places. And um, really loved the Central Coast, uh, thought that we were going to live and die there. And um, helped, uh, served at one church for, for almost seven years, helped start another church that was there on the central coast and then the recession hit and that's what led to a little bit of moving around um but uh, most recently i was on staff at a church in north texas before feeling like the lord was kind of moving my heart to move into uh being a lead pastor and so was connected with a um a community of churches called foursquare that is um centered out of out of southern california and has been for for a little over 100 years and um We ended up here in Sonoma County um, as part of a succession plan to take over from just a really caring, faithful lead pastor, Dan Boyd, who had been here for 30 plus years in Santa Rosa, really excited about being able to be here and a lot more familiar than North Texas for a California boy, uh, just in the weather and the people and and the atmosphere and the sports and the outdoors and just really, really love being in the Bay Area, love being in Sonoma County, just really feel like this is where the Lord has us, and excited to see how the compassion of Jesus Christ can can be winsome and awesome and authentic and can show people that God still is still loves and is still involved in our lives. Amen. Well, certainly quite familiar with the ministry and the impact of of Foursquare. Of course, Jack Hayford had a program here on our station for many, many years. He, a native boy from Oakland, and I think I know 
your boss or one of your bosses, Tim Russell, real well, too. Hey, yeah, yeah. Tim Russell's so a good guy. Just, 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 it's a shout-out in case he's listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, hey, hey, Pastor Tim, we love you. Great guy. And uh, so it yeah. sounds like you kind of exchanged, in a sense, a passion for the law for helping people to understand the penalty of breaking God's law and more fully understanding the grace now under which we live, recognizing the fact that our ability at law keeping going back a couple of thousand more years hasn't been very good. I just knew I wanted to try to use gifts to try to help people. And I'm just glad that I'm I'm on mission to do it with the gospel rather than just with money and paperwork. You yeah, know what I'm saying absolutely far more rewarding. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, and, definitely. You know, an attorney can do a great job at the end of the day absolutely. and say, "Gosh, we won the case, we made a difference, we got a settlement, sure. whatever the situation yeah. might be." But seldom does they do they get to come and say, "You know, what I did today yeah. changed a life, healed a marriage, restored a yeah. family, delivered somebody from an addiction mm-hmm. to a substance abuse, whatever the case True might be." Story. There is so much to be said for the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, of course, that is a a universal message, not only down through the ages, but across Mm -hmm. nations and cultures, even in a place like California and even with some of the challenges that are presented here. You know, we were talking a bit for the benefit of listeners. We were talking a bit uh, before we came on the air today about some of the uniqueness of the area of which not only you were born and raised, but then are now currently ministering between San Luis Obispo and now Santa Rosa. That is. It's, it's California, but it's kind of California light. Folks are sometimes a bit more open, a little bit more friendly, maybe not quite as uh, politically, how should we say, um, over the top as as maybe somebody from the immediate Bay Area or Los Angeles might be. Yeah. But there are still similar challenges, aren't there? I 100% agree with that. You know, there there's a lot of people here. I, I think the last few years especially have hardened some of the political views both for followers of Jesus and people who, who don't claim faith. Um, sadly enough, I think that maybe as followers of Jesus, our politics have become a little more famous than our Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I really want to see what we can do about growing, being the kind of neighbor that shows the compassion of Christ more than our politics. And I see that as being one of the big challenges moving forward. Is it problematic when, for example, you can sit down in a casual dinner conversation with just about anybody? I'm talking about an individual that would not identify as a believer. And if the subject of your faith comes up, they will immediately say, oh, I know what you Christians are all about. And they will go down a laundry list of all of the things we are against. Sure. And they'll probably be 95% bang on. I wonder, though, if it's problematic in the sense that a lot of people today, because of the mm-hmm. geopolitical energy that is yeah. currently sort of, you know, undulating in every aspect of American life today, sure. that people know more about, from a Christian perspective, what we're against than what, yeah. what we're for. Is that a problem? Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head, Craig. I think it's the problem. I think that rather than than being famous for... The grace, forgiveness, and compassion of Jesus Christ, we've become famous for the political movements that we think we should be about because of those things. And I, I, I think that for the gospel to move forward in the Bay Area and in Sonoma County, I think we've got to figure that out and, and bridge the gap between theology and practicum, and that comes with authenticity and compassion. You know, it's interesting because if you look at a lot of these subjects, and, and certainly down through the years, I have repeatedly reminded my audience that we're, we're involved in politics 
yeah. because it's a part of the system of self-governance that we have, sure. that while perhaps not necessarily unique to America, we're certainly kind of the harbinger of that. <laughs> its roots largely are here. And so it's a matter of governing ourselves. Many of these issues that we discuss in the political realm really find their, their core, their root, their genesis in morality but if we can't articulate who the disseminator of that morality is, what the foundation yeah. of our morality is, right. and do it in a, such a way that we, we recognize the sin nature of mankind and our shortcomings, but at the same token are always constantly emphasizing at the very center of that message is the good news of Jesus Christ and his substitutionary work on the cross. And that yep. in, through, in, in him and through him, we might be reconciled to the Father, forgiven, right healed, mm -hmm. restored, and have the chains of sin that bind us broken. Yeah. And I think sometimes that that message kind of gets lost in the dialogue, doesn't it? No, it really does. And and the, and the sad thing is, is, so many, is emotions are running so high right now. And whether we like it or not, emotions kind of reign supreme in how a lot of people perceive their reality. And so one of the things we say at Hope Chapel is, you know, you're not just welcomed here, you're wanted here. Because we want people to understand that, you know, we're, we've, we're setting other things aside and just saying, you know, you're, you're wanted here because God wants relationship with you. Because you matter. You have a human soul and your soul matters. Your life matters. And um, it's the value placed on your soul is the blood of a king. I mean, how higher price could you put on someone's life than the blood of our King Jesus Christ? And so often our, our words can get in the way because people will, will hear something different. And so if we can keep our eye on the ball and all come under the shadow of the cross rather than the different flags that we're choosing to identify with, I'll be very curious to see what can happen in our part of the world because it's really under that kind of unity that God does great things. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Folks eavesdropping on our conversation will probably resonate with this observation that if you, you meet somebody casually on the street or you're introduced to them at a gathering, maybe a dinner, something of that sort, uh, people will generally, when asked about you, will begin to identify in terms of the job that we do. So what do you do? Right. Well, I'm a radio guy. I'm a pastor. Yeah. We, we, talk sure. about, we talk in terms of our identification and our, even sometimes our sense of worth based on our education, the job title we have, things of that sort. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, I think it falls short of the fact that we will oftentimes identify, even in the context of our conversation, first as of this political persuasion or another political persuasion or, or what we do, as opposed to who we are in relationship to he who have saved us. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes is very problematic. You know, Scripture reminds us that, that, that they will know us by our love. Yeah. And yet, sadly, oftentimes they know us first and foremost by our rhetoric, by our politics, yeah. by our yeah. anger. And I think uh -huh. that really not only does the gospel an injustice, but also is a major failing of the church today. Would you agree? Yeah, it is. And, and on our watch, it's going to be on us to get to tackle this problem together. And that's how I see it. You know, it's it to me, it's a fun and exciting challenge to prove people wrong. Think about how in, in how how completely memorable it is when we get to surprise someone. A surprise is always memorable. And if we can surprise people with the goodness of God and the compassion of Jesus Christ, that's going to be memorable and meaningful for a lot of people. And that's been my prayer over and over again. 
Our conversation today with Pastor Colby Ingstrom, lead pastor of Hope Chapel of Santa Rosa. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Colby Ingstrom, lead pastor of Hope Chapel of Santa Rosa. Pastor Ingstrom, let's come back to what we were discussing just a moment ago. A lot of folks will oftentimes articulate what we see going on in the world around us today, particularly in the spiritual realm, as sort of a a glass half empty approach, meaning that, well, you know, there's a lot of secularism, lowest per capita church attendance in the entire nation is in the San Francisco Bay region. And so there's a tremendous amount of negativity and we can oftentimes articulate and and, and it's true. There's a lot of darkness around us as well, but I have to wonder if maybe that's a backwards approach that it isn't the fact that we have an overabundance of darkness rather than we have perhaps a need for more light. And, and, and the notion too, that even though perhaps folks might struggle with articulating a need for a relationship with God himself that and it does right. not at all suggest that there's a lack of hunger. In fact, you made a comment to me before we came on the air today that I'd like to have you perhaps uh, share with our listeners and expound sure. upon. And that sure. is this notion that, you know, there's oftentimes an impression amongst folks that have not come to the saving knowledge of Christ that they right. think they know who Jesus is or know of right. him. But there's right. a very compelling question that you ask that I think is something that, that ultimately we all be, need to be asked asking of ourselves. You know, there, there'll be people that'll say that they've, they've encountered Jesus or they know something about Jesus, but is it really Jesus? You know, is it, is it some politicized, narrowed down, elitist, you know, a, a, a box checking version of, of, a, of Jesus, but it's not the authentic Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. You know, the G- the Jesus who talks about the story of the prodigal son, the Jesus who wept over Jerusalem, the Jesus who, who said, don't keep the little children from me, the Jesus who extended his arms and loved the world so much that he gave his full life on the cross. You know, I, I, I don't think that there's a lot of people that have met the authentic Jesus. And to me, the idea that we get to surprise people with who Jesus really is is incredibly exciting and incredibly invigorating. There's that image of Christ fashioning a whip and chasing the money mm-hmm. changers out of the temple, um, which sure. is certainly an, an accurate depiction. But were we to begin and end with that description, we would shortchange our Savior in a significant fashion. And sure. maybe part of the issue today is the people need to see more of that Jesus, that is the loving Jesus, the compassionate right. Jesus, uh, the Jesus that during his, his, his earthly ministry always right. stopped to address felt needs, in right. almost every example before he ministered in a very public fashion and, right. and and always reminded people that he came because God so much wants to be united and reconciled with his creation. You know, uh, there's there's no other story that compares of any religious figures, so to speak, in right. in world history where very God himself came down and entered to walk amongst his people and then sacrificed his only son for the forgiveness of sins that we might be reconciled. And wow, there's a powerfulness to that message if we can just learn how to communicate it through the way we live our lives. And I think, sadly, we we kind of fail to do that. Christianity is the thing that we show up for on Sunday. It's not necessarily our identification of how we live our lives, the totality of all seven days of the week. 
and that, and that comes from a couple of areas. It comes it comes in my opinion from you know taking our devotion meaningfully. Um, and I think it also comes from community. You know, that's one of the things that I think it's hurt our neck of the woods over the last several years is we've had a couple of big fires. We've had the pandemic. We have some people that have that have maybe lost some hope, have become frustrated, and they're lacking community. And when you lack community, what happens is you tend to become just a little more isolated. If you're not careful, you can become a little more angry and you can become a lot more sad because you don't have people to spur you on toward love and good deeds like we read in scripture. And so we, we need each other a lot more, um, you know, but the compassion of Jesus is, is one that includes and invites. And, and that's, that's what our hope is at Hope Chapel. We're, we're a multi-generational church, and I love that. We're also multi-ethnic, which I also love. Um, some people say that as a goal. We say it as a fact, and it's just beautiful that we get to have that where we're at. And, um, one of the things that I'm starting to see more and more of is people that went away from church and they're coming back. And um, I think it's so important that we're in that kind of community because I think it it helps us. Uh, going back to something you said before, Craig, I thought it was interesting when you mentioned bullpacking Jesus in the in the in the temple. You know, Jesus's harshest and hardest words were actually for believers um, to make room for other people and to make make room in their hearts for compassion for other people. Those were always the harshest words that Jesus had for others and the harshest actions he had for others. But his kindest and his softest actions were for those who had had a poor interaction with who God really was. And when we can figure that out like he did, I think that we're going to be living the gospel in a way that's very compelling, just like you said. I think you're right. And I think it also goes to the heart of something you just mentioned. Uh, we'll often hear times hear people talk about, uh, you know, multi-generational congregation, uh, multiracial congregation. But I think it's important, perhaps, and maybe you can comment to this, that that's not something that necessarily happens by accident. No. Uh, that I think that it needs to be deliberate. It needs to be intentional. There needs to be mm-hmm. a going out of one's way, so to speak, to, to, to reach across those barriers that are there, be it generational barriers or racial barriers, sure. and have that sense of, of welcoming and community that takes place within the context of the body of believers. I think a lot of what we're going to, to do to be that way is that you have to just choose to be that way. I know that sounds really silly, but so like in our church, we don't, we don't single out a people group and villainize nor idolize. We have people that are 65 plus that are involved in ministry at our church and are, are involved in being celebrated at our church. We have people that are in their teens and 20s being involved and celebrated in our church. And we have a bunch of us that are somewhere in between in the middle. And we're being involved and celebrated in our church. I feel like when there is the impression or image that a people group is not celebrated or included, that people group will kindly respond in tow and will remove themselves mm-hmm. because they don't feel there's a place for them. Yeah. So the, you're, you become exclusionary as opposed to inclusionary. And, you know, I Correct. think it also was a bit of a sense of short-sightedness in terms of understanding of what the real kingdom of God looks like. I, I think maybe sometimes we, we close our eyes and imagine heaven and think it's going to look like our worship experience at 1130 a.m. Sunday morning instead yeah. of recognizing that it's going to be all tribes and all tongues. And it's That's not right. just going to be the Baptist corner over here and the Presbyterian's over 
over there, uh-huh. that in fact all of those labels will simply fall by the wayside as right. we come together as the true bride of Christ. And I think that's not only something to be celebrated, but a goal to work towards. This is kind of almost sure. like um, dress rehearsal in a sense, isn't it? This this is this is kind of like yeah. batting practice before we yeah. get up, you know, there at the box at the actual game, ready yeah. to knock the ball out of the park. And how how that's we right. perform here, I, I think is going to say a lot to what our experience in the here and after is going to be right. like. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be surprises in heaven, but I would prefer that on our watch, one of the surprises wasn't about how diverse heaven looked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would prefer that not to be one of the surprises. Exactly. And is there a big, bigger sense here, too, uh, Pastor Ingram, in, in terms of people, for example, will will talk about the value of missions and outreach to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost sure. parts of the earth. That might be Santa Rosa, the Bay Area, and sure. you know, the whole world. Uh, right. And yet, you know, when we talk about about sort of the profile of what it looks like to live and minister and work in California. And then certainly you, you've worked in places where this is a bit different, right. like in states like Texas, for example, or New Mexico, that, that, yeah. that there, there is less a cross-sectional uh, mm-hmm. breadth and depth than we see in the Bay Area. I mean, literally, oh, you yeah. can open up your front door and you want to reach every tribe, every tongue, mm-hmm. open up mm-hmm. the front door and the likelihood yeah. of have neighbors across, down the street, up, you know, mm-hmm. up the block, across the hall, whatever, that right. are from an entirely different people group an entirely different language, even perhaps different religious backgrounds, says to me, God has uniquely planted his church in a place like the Bay Area to have a phenomenal impact, not just here at home, but imagine people getting reached for Christ and Uh then taking that message back to wherever home is for them. Wow. Talk about global impact implications and you don't need a passport you don't have to learn a foreign language none of it just open our front door and you hit on it right on the head craig and by the way feel free to call me colby there are a lot of people that stumble over my last name so feel free just to call me colby fair enough um said that there's um you know i i my last day on staff at my the church i was on staff at in texas wonderful church preston trail community church in frisco texas great church shout out um but i stood i stood in the hallway and i had a family look at me incredulously basically almost having the intervention of trying to talk me out of moving to the Bay Area in California. Well, don't you realize, or why would you ever leave? Didn't you know that they have this? Don't you know that they've been doing that? Didn't you know that? Don't you think that? And I looked at him, I said, well, you know, everything you've said is, is, there's truth in it. But I never read anywhere that my Jesus called me to a life of comfort. He called me to a life of compassion. And he called me to a life of mission and intentionality. And some places, the mission intentionality is a little clearer than others. And that's one of the reasons why I am so thankful to be here, because we are on mission here. And we do have great, brilliant, beautiful missional opportunities to surprise people with the gospel, to surprise people with the compassion of Jesus Christ. Um, I have a friend named Noah, who's a Foursquare pastor in, in San Francisco, who he has a ministry um, where, where it's where it's urban outreach. And they do things in the middle of... Um, the downtown area with beautification, with trying to minister to people that are that are caught up in the sex service industry and trying to minister to them and, and extend an olive branch of Jesus to them and and trying to share the gospel with the homeless and just doing all kinds of beautiful things. But he's not bowing away from it. He's bowing toward mm. it, which that's what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus tells us to go toward where the opportunities are, 
not to come away from them because it's difficult. We tend to sometimes want to, and I think it's just part of our our human nature, our, our sin nature, sure. that, that we want to run from as opposed to lean into. And what you're suggesting almost harkens back to uh, some of our dialogue earlier in our visit today, Colby, and that is the sense that um, where it is the darkest is the area that is in the greatest need of the light. So let's That's run right. toward that. And, uh-huh. and and shine bright the light, right? Don't don't hide sure. your candlesticks underneath the bed or a basket. Put exactly. them up high. And maybe that should be the clarion call to believers here in the 21st century in places where there is some of the greatest need, arguably anywhere on the planet, in a place like right. California, in a place like the Bay Area, in a place like Santa Rosa, where if yeah. you find people are in darkness, let's turn on the light. That's exactly right. I, I, I have nothing to add to that. It's right on, Craig. Our conversation today with Pastor Colby Ingstrom, lead pastor of Hope Chapel of Santa Rosa. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Colby Ingstrom, lead pastor of Hope Chapel of Santa Rosa. Pastor Ingstrom, let's come back to what we were discussing just a moment ago. So talk to us a bit about what God is doing specifically in Hope Chapel. You know, we, we oh, mentioned at yeah. the get-go that yeah. there is a, it, it's, it's a little different than the immediate Bay Area in terms right. of what you might experience in a place like San sure. Jose or Berkeley. Uh, it, right. it, it feels a little bit more rural because it is. Uh-huh. Um, sure. and, and yet you've got, a, you've got a strong group of believers there. And uh, I just want to kind of get a sense for listeners in terms of, of the dynamic of what God is doing at Hope Chapel Santa Rosa today. Sure. Boy, that's a great question. You know, um, since, I, since I came in a couple years ago, one of the things I've seen happen is I just, I see a growing energy of excitement and positivity. I, I think, again, I think because of the lockdown of the pandemic, the, the nature of the fires, there was a resiliency that took a lot of hits um, and being able to kind of pump some new energy and some excitement and some positivity, I think, has gone over real well. We've seen we've seen seen some newer families coming in. We've seen some what, what I call mature adults, which is adults that are 65 plus. We've seen more mature adults that had kind of gone to screen only because they were they had health concerns. They're starting to come back a lot more. Family um, people that have been away from church for a long time that that now see the value of community and connection are coming back. We're seeing people um, coming to faith in the Lord. People that have never had a faith. Um, are coming to a faith. In fact, one of my favorite stories is, uh, you know, over the course of the last six months, we've baptized three people that are in the that are fifties plus that have never said yes to Jesus before, wow. and they've 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 broken the curve. Like a lot of us have heard the metric about how almost everybody that comes to saving faith in Jesus does so before their twentieth birthday. And I mean, they're they're breaking that curve. And then we have an outstanding youth ministry where we have a we have a young youth director who's barely twenty, but boy, he wears his age so well, and he's just killing it. He's just doing such a great job. We have a growing youth ministry for our little church. We just hired a new worship worship director, and he's doing a great job. And uh, we have a Halloween outreach that we're looking forward to tonight, where we're we're going to strategic houses and neighborhoods to have a tent where people can get a one minute blessing. Where instead of going to a to a palm reader or a few for, fortune teller, they can just come and have someone just say a brief prayer of blessing over them and encouragement over them. And uh, we're gonna have hot dogs and candy and games and fun, and we're giving out full size candy bars at these, Craig, not the little dinky ones. Oh, good. <laughs> and um, 
and it's just going to be outstanding. We have a we have a man I've partnered with in ministry in in Colombia um, and locally named Paul Rapley. He's going to come and lead us in a time of prayer and seeking God for healing for those that want to see healing happen in their lives. And um, he's coming this week. And golly, we just we want to seek God to move in very real, authentic, transformative ways that we haven't seen before. And it's multi-generational and multi-ethnic, and it's just really exciting. You are you are reclaiming the land for the sake of the gospel. I love it. Yes, sir. We're and, sure trying. And, and, you know, that sense, too, of community. Let, let's spend a moment talking about that, because, you know, we did, and, you know, you guys up north had a double whammy, as you pointed out, because I think folks forget that, you know, almost coinciding with the COVID hit that we, we all experienced three years ago uh, was sure. the fire's up in Northern California, Santa Rosa region, Tubbs Fire, all of that, yep. that that literally wiped out people's livelihoods, their homes, everything. Yep. And, you know, that kind of loss can be so devastating to come back from, particularly when you look around you and it's just block after block after block of just complete bare destruction. And so to, to come back from an experience like that and be able to hold together that sense of cohesive community and recognizing that at the end of the day we all need one another and as convenient as it was for a lot of us to say hey you know what i don't have to get dressed in the morning i can go to church just by logging into the computer i can sit there in my fuzzy bunny slippers if i so choose and participate in church but it's not the same as gathering together and that 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 iron sharpening iron kind of experience is it no, not at all. And that's why, I mean, I'm thankful for the ministry of your radio station and, and the online presence of so many churches, because I believe it's it's wonderfully supplemental to the disciple life. But church is people. And as soon as we start to think that church is an experience or an event rather than people, we're going to start losing that element that really is, is more than even just convenient or comforting. You know, it's a reminder that our God is real, you know, that that. When we touch one another, when we when we speak directly to one another, when we interact with one another in person, there's a depth that that cannot be replaced by technology. And you know that's important. So yeah. important that you say that. I just want to underscore yeah. that and put that you know bold, italicized, and and yeah. you know increase the font size as well. That mm-hmm. the technology, whether it's live streaming Sunday morning or tuning into uh-huh. a Christian radio station like this, sure. Folks, yeah. and I, I want to say, you're, you, you can say, Craig Roberts, I heard you say it myself, that this is supplemental. It's never substitutional. That yeah. at the end of the day, when God takes a city unto himself, he does it through the local body of believers. He does it through right. the local church. He doesn't do it through the Internet. He doesn't do it through your Christian favorite Christian radio station. Those, those can be wonderful supplemental tools, yeah. never substitutionary. And when we start yeah. to head in into that territory and we think gee this is really convenient i don't have to go to church anymore i don't have to deal with people anymore uh-uh right you're now you're heading into very dangerous territory here when you start to regard all of this wonderful technology as substitutionary as opposed to simply being supplemental which is the category where it belongs yeah and that's what that's what we want to continue we want to continue to be the church not just go to church you know that's what we're trying to figure out so we have churches in fiji that we help equip and support minister with and to we have we have uh, the outreach in the city um, with my friend Pastor Noah that we're, we're part of, and we're part of the Redwood Gospel organization right here in Santa Rosa with trying to help them reach our city and equip our city and help those that are that need have felt needs that need to be met. And then 
we're in turn trying to do the same thing with with caring for a local elementary school and then equipping our people to be a light in their community. Because like you said earlier, Craig, you know, just because things appear dark doesn't mean that it's overwhelming. It just means it's a greater opportunity for the light to stand out just a little bit more. Amen. Time to turn on more of the light, no doubt about it. Hope Chapel of Santa Rosa meets at 5680 Sonoma Highway in Santa Rosa. And you can get information on the web at hopechapelsantarosa.org. That's hopechapelsantarosa.org. You meet in a barn? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, we're in a we're in a yellow barn right off the Sonoma Highway. We have a big, beautiful 300-year-old oak tree in the middle of our campus. Um, I, I, I would go as far as to wager it is one of the warmest groups of people I've ever been around in my entire life. And uh, the energy and excitement and joy you'll experience there. And, and be let's be clear for listeners, they will not be required to sit on bales of hay. They no. won't share a pew with a cow. We have real chairs and everything. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. It's a barn-style building, and it, it's a great little landmark there. So yeah. if, if you're in the neighborhood, you're not going to get lost. Look for the big yellow no. barn, again, at 5680 Sonoma Highway in Santa Rosa. Details on the web at hopechapelsantarosa.org. That's right. Pastor Coley, what are your service times? Service times right now are 9 and 10.30 on Sunday mornings. We have a great youth service on Thursday evenings, and then we do we have pretty regular Bible studies that happen on Tuesdays. Um, but Sunday mornings, we'd love to have you join us online or in person, 9 and 10.30. You know, you can sample it online, but you know what? Get dressed and be there in person. I think you'll be thrilled with the experience and you've gotten a little bit of a taste of the heartbeat for ministry by Pastor Ingstrom. So uh, get a chance to go and meet him in person and uh, experience the worship and fellowship together. Hope Chapel Santa Rosa, again, meeting at 5680 Sonoma Highway in Santa Rosa. Details on the web at hopechapelsantarosa.org. That's Hope chapelsantarosa.org and our thanks to Pastor Colby Pastor Colby Ingstrom for being with us today. Pastor Colby, thanks so much for the time been a delight. Honor to be here love your ministry, thank you so much for helping encourage and reach people all over the Bay Area and excited to be here with you today. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. You know, as we look at issues like um, sports, certainly this is a great pastime for us to kind of get a, a sense of enjoyment and escapism. But we've also come to understand that sports can teach us many valuable things, uh, teammanship, uh, endurance, uh, certainly uh, the sense of uh, personal success and performance. But we're also discovering at many levels that sports can also teach us some deeper, more enduring lessons. Joining me now is Dr. David Cook, president of the Texas-based Peak Performance firm, bridging the gap between sports and business performance. He's former director of Allied Sport and Performance Psychology at the University of Kansas and the author of the best-selling book, Golf's Sacred Journey, Seven Days at the Links of Utopia. And Dr. Cook, great to have you on the program with us. Thanks for having me. It, uh, I appreciate it very much. This must be an exciting time for you as well, now seeing your book, Golf's Sacred Journey, making the leap from uh, print to now the big screen with release across the country of Seven Days in Utopia. Tell us a bit about uh, the story here that is behind this film. Well, the story takes place in a little community in Texas called Utopia, and um, there's a really, I guess, minimalist, you'd call it a minimalist full golf course here, nine-hole golf course, is built around a cemetery, and uh, one day when I went out there and saw this beautiful cemetery next to this really pathetic driving range and golf course, I just felt the sense and the urging from the Lord to, to 
to, to look deeper, to notice some things. And I began to notice the significance of how profound the simple was. And I felt like the Lord just said, this is a place, write the book. And, you know, a day before that, I had no idea how to be writing a book. So I went home, got my computer out, put my hands on it. And about eight hours later, they stopped. I just felt like there was a real download of a story. My background is in sports psychology, as, as, as you mentioned a minute ago. And so I was able to take my experience with this beautiful little spot in the world and create a story that was a different way for me to speak and to share the ideas that I've been given that I think will help people not only in performance but in life. And uh, what came out was this book. It was it was a pretty amazing experience and an uh, incredible journey. Now, the story here is a story of Luke, uh, who I understand is a talented young golfer making his way along the pro tour uh, in, in, in some respects. I mean, there are certainly big figures that we know of, names that we're all familiar with in the world of pro golf today that might come to mind out of whose life at certain levels tends to kind of mirror some of this. But ironically, along, too, with that, uh, escaping some of the pressures of the game and uh, finds himself along the way stranded there in Utopia, Texas. What are some of the key lessons that you're hoping viewers uh, following the readers to your best-selling book, Golf's Sacred Journey, now with the new film, Seven Days in Utopia. What are some of the lessons that you're hoping they'll extract and walk away from beyond just a good time at the movies? Well, yeah, this is way more than just a good time at the movies. One of the things we try to teach, you know, I really want to share some ideas about performance that I think will help people, but the main, main point there is that life is bigger than performance. It's way bigger than the scoreboard. And uh, many of us get knocked out of our game or taken out of our game by the scoreboard or by successes and failures. And this young kid had a meltdown. And he spent seven days with an older, wiser gentleman that used other elements in the environment, like fly fishing and flying an airplane and uh, painting and picture washing and things like this that drew him out of sort of out of the game of golf but taught him deep principles about how to play better and also how to live his life deeper and it culminates in the scene in the cemetery where he really challenges him about what's Steph going to say and what's you know why is he doing what he's doing changing the kid's life and then he re-enters the world of performance with a new attitude and a new heart and it, the end of the movie really gives us a picture of what performing as a Christian would look like what is it what is the purpose and how can God use that in our life? So it, it, uh, it's a full circle. You know, we, incre- we included the faith in there and, and also some teaching from the sports psychology. And even though there's a lot of golf there, it's, it's really more of a life story than just a golf movie for sure. Yeah, that certainly struck me in watching the trailer. I, I thought, you know, there's aspects of this that go beyond simple lessons that we can utilize, you know, whether it's on the golf course or on the field uh, that, that certainly are applicable toward performance in the arena of sports. But on the grander picture, at a deeper level, lessons that I think, uh, Dr. Cook, are applicable to to what we do in life, given the fact that, you know, while the scoreboard might be one measurement of success on the field, there are other scoreboards, so to speak, that we use in life that, that sometimes as we're adding up the score might tend to be pretty discouraging. And so out of that, you draw a lot of very strong biblical principles to help lead people along the way. Absolutely, and um, they're, they're, it, the whole movie is built around biblical principles. And but it's not a heavy-handed movie. And, and in fact, I think that it's one that we prayed about deeply when we were making this that you can take your friends and family to. Um, and it's a, it's an opening. And the movie is the beginning. There's a, there's an opportunity at the very end of the movie for people to continue their journey. We will lead them to another another option for their life. So this is unlike most movies. Uh, it's a beginning, not an end. 
And I think it was so well cast. I don't think we told our audience this yet, but Robert Duvall plays the the wise mentor in this movie, and he's uh, you know he's one of just about every, probably all your listeners one of, at least in their top ten favorite actors of all time. He does a great job with this. Then Melissa Leo just won a Best Supporting Actress. She's also in there. Um, and Lucas Black, who is a real player, a very good golfer, is in our movie. He was uh, in Sling Blade and Friday Night Lights and is, is authentic. So it's the most authentic golf movie, even though I'm telling you it's not just a golf movie. It, everything's authentic about this movie and real. You can feel the, you know, you can feel this community of utopia and you can feel the experience as you watch this. And Duvall, of course, no stranger to um, spiritually based or, or thematic films, has performed in other uh, films that have that same kind of feeling to them or genre about them. Uh, and and what, what encourages me about a film, as you point out, of this sort, and that is that it's not just a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, but as you leave the film, as you walk out of the theater, I think many viewers, as much as they would be after having read the book, Golf's Sacred Journey, walk away with a sense of, of the opportunity to get fresh beginnings, uh, to move past some of the, the maybe bad choices we've made in the past and find new life, new direction moving forward into the future. Yeah, they, they have an opportunity to, to leave this movie and begin all over. Or, as we say in the movie, the uh, young man buries some old lies that he was living by, like his score, was his identity was based on his score, um, that uh, um, how he played... Uh, told everybody about who he was as a person and I think all of us get caught up in that you know sort of kind of that the the uh, the arena of being judged by others according to what we do and so this is a there's a real there's a real moment in this movie where he gets it and and du, and Duval delivers it so well um, to get him sort of out of the game of the world and into the game that God called us to. Yeah, that, that whole idea of success in life, uh, not always measured of a man by uh, you know how much money you make or how good your golf score might be, uh, manners and, and fashions in which normally the world measures success, but rather a measure of the man is is much deeper than that. It sure is. And, you know, that's the that's message. That, you know, the, the, I guess the main message of this movie is that most people are looking for more in their life. They're, they're, they're searching for something, the meaning that's got to be deeper than, you know, what they see around them. And the answer to that more is in this movie. And uh, I, I think that's a universal question. What, what else is there? You know, there's got to be more. It goes beyond just the typical couple of hours in a movie theater escapism. Uh, it, it walks away. You walk away, I think, with a sense of being encouraged uh, and can be a, a wonderful tool for reaching people that are struggling. And I think, uh, Dr. Cook, in light of what's going on in the world around us today, we know a lot of folks that are struggling, uh, challenges at work or economic problems, uh, layoffs, all of these things. And people are looking to go deeper and higher and, and find more significant meaning in life where they can measure their success beyond just what they've done in the world of sports or business. And finally, Dr. Cook, the book, I would imagine, available through Amazon.com if folks would like to pick up a copy. They can. It's also available at linksofutopia.com, linksofutopia.com. And we have so many uh, interesting things on that site for people uh, like me walking around in Utopia and sort of showing people around. Go to that site. That's a, that's a good one to, to, to begin the engagement from. Linksofutopia.com. Dr. David Cook, thanks so much for being with us on this edition of Lifeline. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.